relationships. Uh, this morning, we have a, a friend of mine with us who is going to be bringing a word for us, uh, Andy Tamilio, who is the discipleship coordinator at City Line Church. Um, and Andy is a friend of mine. I realized I did the math. We've known each other 10 years, bro. 10 years I've known Andy. Andy, uh, I, I met Andy when Sarah and I um, first got married, really shortly after we got married. We ended up at a church where Andy was leading, and I've gotten to not only be served by, but serve alongside Andy. Um, he has uh, challenged and encouraged me in a multitude of different ways. Um, the way he has uh, helped me to think about and grow in especially my understanding and faith in the movement of the Holy Spirit and in the power of prayer has been a, a huge blessing to me. Um, and uh, just, you know, as time goes on, as I said, I've known Andy 10 years. Uh, and so I just want to say, man, like, uh, you have done a great job and, and been a huge blessing to me in a number of ways, but especially in making sure our relationship continues. Um, that is hard when people move and life changes and your intentionality to keep our friendship and relationship has always meant the world to me. So uh, I'm super excited and super pumped to hear from my friends. So please uh, welcome Andy Tamilio this morning. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Very generous. Uh, yeah, I was wondering um, myself on the math and because I'm such not a math person, I thought I, I won't try to give a year uh, number to how long I've known Tim, but I'm glad you did that for me. Ten years. I'm encouraged. That is very encouraging. That's, we're in the double digits at this point, so uh, I'm very blessed by that. So, yeah, um, as Pastor Tim said, you know, we, we served in leadership together at each of our previous church that we were at. You know, we've been in the trenches of ministry for some time, and uh, I just want to, you know, encourage you all. Uh, CF has been, you know, a part of my Christian journey, you know, for even longer than, than those 10 years, you know, before uh, Pastor Tim came on here, uh, our church was the recipient of, you know, the hospitality of, of CF for a number of years. We met for prayer gatherings here. I baptized a very good friend of mine right here. Uh, I, I gave a talk for a Christian arts group that was meeting here once. So it, and you know, this is all 10 plus years ago. So the, the hospitality and, and generosity of the people of CF is really impacted me um, for, for a number of years. And, and, of course, that's only been deepened by being friends with Tim uh, over that time. So I'm very humbled and grateful to be here today. Uh, have the privilege of continuing the James series. Uh, it was almost going to be the case that I had the, the last part of James, the, the end of Chapter 5, with some pretty hard hard things to <laughs> preach on, frankly. Uh, and But it, it happened uh, that you know, I got 5, 7 through 12, which is a bit a bit easier. So uh, you're in the capable hands of Pastor Tim next week. But for our purposes, uh, James 5, 7 through 12, uh, if you want to turn or navigate there, if you have uh, a Bible with you. But uh, I'll go ahead and pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into James 5. Uh, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that your saints are gathered together today. Thank you, Father, for the... Uh, wonderful hospitality and grace of this congregation, this church family, and for the uh, privilege of bringing your word here today, Lord. I just pray for uh, receptive hearts. I pray that your word, God, in whatever <laughs> form it comes from my own, you know, feeble speech would be impactful, uh, would would give people, you know, a bigger vision of you, would encourage people to live for you and to walk with you, and uh, would really create something good in the, in the world around, in, in this community, especially in Roscoe Village, God. I pray just for this church, and I thank you for this congregation. I, I, I pray that you 
give me the facility with your word today, God, to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, James 5, verses 7 through 12 reads, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. So this, <laughs> this is a tomato, if you can't see that clearly. Uh, I, I've been waiting for this tomato since about May, and I would go back even farther because you know, I'm starting to, you know, in, in late February, early March, when it's still cold and miserable, I'm starting to think, oh, I can't wait till my summer gardens in June. So, I, you know, even my thinking about this tomato, I would say, started in about February. Um, but March, April, May is when I planted the seedling. So really, to get to this point, I've been waiting for months, let's just say months. And it's, it's the type of tomato, it's still not, it's still not fully ripe, right? It, it still has a little bit of time to go, and experience has taught me that in my novice, you know, in a couple years of gardening, if you, if you pick it before it's fully ripe, if it's started to ripen on the vine, and you pick it, it'll continue to ripen off the vine. So why, why would you want to do that? Well, also in my experience, I have to pick it early or else the squirrels are just going to get to it. <laughs> If it gets if it gets to this stage on the vine, at least in my garden with my little you know knee high fence, it keeps the rabbits out, but the squirrels can get to it. So if you don't pick it before it gets all attractive and plump and you know red and orange, probably there's going to be a nice big bite out of it. So <coughs> I'm still being patient over this tomato. That's that's my point here. I've been I've been waiting for months, and I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting to have it in BLT probably. Just it's, it's it's about patience. Uh, if you want to have something as um, sweet and delicious as a homegrown heirloom tomato, you, you need patience. There's just you have to have patience. Yeah, okay, you can go to a farmer's market. I didn't think about that before preparing the sermon. <laughs> you can go to a farmer's market and buy an heirloom tomato, um, but I think there's something you know extra satisfying. I, I know because I've I've done it a couple years. I've had a couple successful crops of tomatoes, there's something really excellently satisfying um, about eating something that you have labored over for months, you know, that you've had to be patient for. You know, an act of growing a tomato in your own backyard, it's, it's really a, a teaching in patience, right? And I'm, I'm still having, having to be patient uh, over that tomato and, and other things that I'm growing. So, 
patience is a theme. It's a theme in our verses that you've seen and that you just read. Be patient. Patience is a virtue, right? Patience is a virtue. Uh, that comes from, you know, ancient wisdom of which, you know, the Bible is the chief. It's, it's uh, the greatest text on ancient wisdom that still has, you know, enormous relevance for our day. James uh, thinks that patience is, is very important. As Pastor Tim mentioned in the announcements, you know, there's all these imperatives in James. You know, James isn't beating around the bush. If you've been walking through James over the summer, you've seen he's, he's not one to mince words. For our text today, he just says, be patient. Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters. All right, there's no qualifying what patience should be in this and that circumstance. There's no saying, well, it doesn't really apply here, and you can nuance it here in this. No, be patient. If you read James, it's, it's that imperative. Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters. For, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. That's the big you know, the big um, landing. <laughs> Be patient for the coming of the Lord is at hand. But there's that word, there's that word uh, right at the beginning, the third word here in the English version. Be patient, therefore. Be patient, therefore. The coming of the Lord is at hand. We'll get to that. But be patient, therefore. Be patient, therefore. So right away, we have to know what came before our, our passage to understand you know, what James is telling them to be patient for. Yes, the coming of the Lord, okay, okay, that sounds like a huge, important thing. But why is he bringing that to their attention in this case? Well, therefore, uh, what you would have heard last week from Pastor Tim, you know, the preceding passage in James um, is a pretty, you know, direct, again, James, direct um, sort of uh, smackdown <laughs> of a group of, particular group of unrighteous rich, a particular group of unrighteous, unjust, wealthy people who were exploiting their laborers, um, pursuing their own greed at their workers' expense in a pretty um, stunning way. Verse 6 in that section says that you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. So there's, you know, there, there's a stark instance of injustice uh, affecting the congregation that James is writing to, to the point that he has to say, hey, somebody somebody was murdered in an act of injustice, but be patient. Be patient. Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I think right there, implicit in that be patient, wait for the Lord, there's this warning against retaliating as the world would retaliate. There's There's this assumption that his audience, there's something different, uh, they're called to something different. They have a different type of identity. They're, they're supposed to be in the world in a different way. Be patient. Don't retaliate. Don't, reta don't, don't bring that stuff into the church. That's not for you. The judge is standing at the door. You know, that, that word, judge, that's in our passage. You know, the judge is standing at the door. God alone is judge. You, therefore, be patient. There, there's a way to inhabit the world that we're called to as the family of God that's different than what the world does. I would say the whole world, the whole world is a broken system. You know, it's not as if there's that part that's broken and we don't want to 
you know, contribute to that broken. Actually, the whole world is a broken system, and there's a way to be in that system uh, which is different than the way that system operates. That's what uh, privilege we have. That's what privilege James's audience has as the family of God. You, you see that familial language, brother. We're brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. There's there's an implicit love relationship. There, there's a familiarity. Uh, relate to each other as a family. Grumbling? What place does grumbling? Why grumble against one another? Why retaliate in kind? This isn't you know, you're not called to this brokenness. You're called to this type of healing ministry in the world around you. So don't don't respond to the world as the, as the world uh, treats you. There's a different way to be in the world. Um, <clears throat> consider the farmer. Consider the farmer. That's James appeals to his people by saying, Con- consider the farmer. Okay, I'd be surprised if we had any farmers here. No farmers here? Novice gardeners? Anybody a novice gardener? <laughs> maybe one or two people are novice gardeners. I, th- I think we can relate to the novice gardener maybe a little better than the farmer. But, but you get the idea. It's this agrarian uh, metaphor. As the novice farmer waits for the precious heirloom tomatoes to so fully ripen at the proper time. Now, let me just say immediately, yeah. We can go to a grocery store. I already talked about a farmer's market, but we can at any time of the year go to a grocery store, right? This is part of the, the miracle of technology, <laughs> God's providence in creation. We have technology. We have modern logistics. Uh, we can eat something that grew in the soil of Peru three days ago. You know, we can get something. We can get fish from Japan in two days' time. We can buy anything at a supermarket all times of the year that isn't normally in season at this time of year. And let me just say, it's not just the you know airplanes and logistics that contribute to that, right? It's chemicals. It's chemicals. You, you've bought tomatoes in the winter at Jewel, right? Somebody has done that. <laughs> we buy tomatoes at Jewel Osco all months of the year, okay? What happens is those were picked unripe, and then they were chemically induced, <laughs> to use a different metaphor, they were induced into ripening uh, before their time. So you can buy tomatoes at Jewel Osco that have been prematurely ripened. You, you know, By the miracle of technology, we can have off-season tomatoes at any moment in the year. But at what cost? At what cost? Well, the cost for me, obviously, is taste. It's taste. <laughs> that that mealy beefsteak off-season Jewel Osco standard tomato. It just doesn't taste that good. It doesn't taste like much of anything, and it has a terrible texture, in my opinion. That, you know, to me, that's why I try to grow. There's no comparison. There's no comparison. It's a whole different food, in my opinion. I like to eat. I like food metaphors. I like to just stay on this one place of talking about food. That off-season Jewel Osco beefsteak tomato has nothing, nothing on this tomato that I'm trying to grow in my back. I, you know, I'm no expert. I'm not a good gardener, but that beefsteak has nothing, nothing on this. This takes time. It takes time. It, 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 you know, getting, getting a tomato from central Mexico, you know, in the winter, 
fine if I want a tomato in winter, but it's, it's just, it's different. It's, it's not as good. It's not as good. It's, this is, this is sweeter. It's, it's both sweeter and more savory. It's more satisfying. It takes time. Uh, tomatoes at their best, they take, what do they take? They take heat. It needs a warm environment. It takes light. They need plenty of sun. It takes water. It takes nutrients. It takes pest control. That could even be the form of a fence to keep rabbits out. It takes disease mitigation, you know. But through it all, it takes time. You can't have this. You can't have this without time. You can't have the, the real, you know, true ripeness with the true sweetness. You can't have what God intended. You can't have what God intended without time. 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 God is, God is the master gardener. God is the master gardener. God works with the medium of time. God isn't about chemical inductions. God doesn't work with chemical induction. You know, God works with time. He's the master gardener. You know, the, the first built environment in creation was a garden. The first built environment that God made for humans to inhabit was a garden. It was a garden. God, God is the master gardener. God works with time. And so implied, implied in that metaphor is seasonality. Seasonality. God works with time. God ripens, ripens things in their time. So, you know, uh, growing a tomato, it's not just about, um, you know, planting that seedling in May, uh, picking it in late August. You know, there's the springtime of, I'm sorry, the, you, you're planting in the spring, you're harvesting in the summer, in fall. Fall, from what the internet tells me, is the best time to amend the soil, right? When you're done uh, picking your, your vegetables in the summer, well, in the fall, that's a good time to amend the soil, to, to continue to tend that garden, but in a different way. You're adding nutrients, uh, you're taking out the old matter. Fall, you're amending, you know, there's nothing growing unless, you know, you have a fall garden going that's outside the bounds of you know, my own metaphor here. Um, you're amending the soil in the fall, even in winter. Even in winter. The soil that you've amended in the fall is, is building, it's, it's soaking, it's establishing in the winter. There's stuff going on underground in the winter. The winter is an important time in the life cycle of an heirloom tomato that becomes a BLT sandwich <laughs> in late summer. Seasonality is, is a medium that God works with. Time is, is a key ingredient in, in the way God works. I, I know that we'll be at different seasons uh, together here at, at CF. I know that I'm um, just, you know, I'm overjoyed to see just, uh, you know, visibly the different life stages that we're at. I love to see the sort of the generational diversity. There's a, there's a lot of young kids at CF. It's a joy. It's a joy. It's a joy to see the generations here. There's something, there's something good about every season of life, every generational stage we're at. Every point in our life is good. In its own right, it's good. It's given by God. The kid stage is good. Right? The young adult stage is good. The mature adult stage is good. The elder stage is good. Whatever season of life you're in, intrinsically, it's good. It's good. God is wanting to work in that season to produce something good in you and in the world around 
aside from that, we're going to be at different, you know, we're going to be in different just seasons, different seasons. Some of us feel like we're in a heavy season. Some of us, you know, uh, <laughs> are, are expecting. Some of us in the room are expecting and soon to be uh, giving birth. You know, that, that's a season that affects the way we feel. Some of us, we might be in a very fruitful season where things are clicking and, and you know, there's, you know, good, good fruit being produced. Uh, some of us, you know, probably a lot of us, Probably we just feel like we're in a winter. We're in a winter. It's it's just it's a season where things are lying fallow. It's a season where we're not really seeing what we want to see in the world. We're not we're not tasting the sweetness of life in the way that we want to be experiencing in this moment. Remember, God is the master gardener. There's stuff happening in the soil. You couldn't have the summer fruit without the winter soil. You understand? God's doing a work in that soil. He's establishing the soil in that winter time. For those who are in that winter time, you don't just feel, blah, you know, I want to get out of late February. It's been winter a long time already. I don't know what God's time frame is in your life, but I can say your, your soil's being established. God's a master gardener. It takes time. Your life, your cultivation takes time. God's cultivating something beautiful in the world through the winter of your life. He's cultivating something beautiful at CF through every season uh, that the members of CF are at. Remember, God is the master gardener. One fruit that our text today uh, really wants to cultivate is patience. Remember that, you know, very straightforward James, you know, be patient, be patient. We don't have to spell it out. Be patient. Patience is something God wants to produce in us right now. Let me, let me ask this. Why is patience important? Is the world around us patient? Do we live in a patient culture? Do we live in a patient society? Do we see the fruit of patience in the world around us? I, I had to drive to the western suburbs yesterday. You know, the second I got on 90, I was feeling impatient. <laughs> Then when I merged onto 294, I became even more impatient. By the time I got to where I was going, I had to, you know, I had to ask God for forgiveness for the way that I was thinking and perhaps, you know, a word that I might have uttered. <laughs> it's just there's, there's a complete lack of patience that the world produces in us. The, wor the world around us uh, is not a very patient place. Our culture uh, is, does not evidence this virtue of patience and all the good fruit that that is meant to produce in the world. But God is calling his people to be patient in the world. Be patient in a way that the world is not patient. What is patience? Yeah, you can understand you know, the command to be patient, but what does that actually mean? I think there might be a temptation to view that as some sort of passive waiting, just a very passive waiting, the simple waiting for the passing of time. And I'll say this. It's not less than that. It's actually not less than that. That's part of the virtue. It's learning to wait. It's, it's learning for things not to work out exactly the way we want at the exact moment that we want. My two-year-old son is... is learning that lesson daily. If we, if we stayed in that place that my two-year-old son is at in terms of you know, his ability to wait for something, uh, you know, <laughs> the world would barely function. The world would, would barely function. There's a way to be patient, and it's not merely waiting for that passage of time. 
So what, what is patience? Well, we can look at our text again. James says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. Patience really is a matter of trusting God. You know, that's why I, I don't think it's, it's being patient is not really that passive state of waiting. It's an active state of faith. Patience follows from hope. Um, patience as an act of faith follows from a posture of hope is what I want to say. <clears throat> That's why that coming of the Lord, be patient until the coming of the Lord. I know that when you hear that, some of us, you know, hey, we are in the contemporary West here. We, you know, we are, we probably do, you know, have a little bit of a squeamishness around the supernatural things. If we're not hoping in the nearness of Christ, then what, what are we doing? You know, what are we doing? We might be gathering around, you know, a community that we enjoy. You know, we might be doing a Christian community thing. Hey, join a community group. I, <laughs> I want to support what Pastor Tim was promoting. Please join a community group. That's one of the you know, biggest ways that God does build uh, church communities in, is when we get to, you know, process life together around God's word in those smaller contexts. So join a community group. Um <laughs> Our hope is not just in like-minded community. It's in Christ. It's in the coming of the Lord. It's in the nearness of the Lord. One of the privileges of being in Christ is his nearness. It's his nearness. It's when he does come bodily. James wants us to think in that direction. His, his bodily presence, his bodily return. The fact that the judge is standing at the door. James wants us to think in that direction. Our hope ultimately is in a physical Jesus. Our hope is ultimately in a physical Jesus, but also it's in a spiritual present near to us right now, Jesus. You know, that is our privilege in Christ. That is what it means to be brothers and sisters. That's what it means to be in the family of God, to be a brother and sister. It's to have Christ's presence near now. It's to have his Holy Spirit in us now. Therefore, the presence of Jesus near to us now. Therefore, we can be patient. It's not just someday in some way. Jesus will come. No, it's, we can be patient because Christ is among us now. We can be patient now because of the presence of Christ among us now. Hope strengthens. That's that's what you know. James uh, is is getting at in the fact that he says, "Establish your hearts." Some translations will say, "Strengthen." Going to that Greek word, it literally means to be inwardly firm or resolved. Strengthen, you know, strengthen yourself. Be strengthened, really, is the implication. Be strengthened because our hope is in something unshakable, which is Christ. Hope strengthens. Hope enables us to be patient, to not just pass the time, but to be faithful, to, to faithfully wait, to hopefully wait. And, th and then to do the work, to, to till the garden, to cultivate uh, to participate, to join with Jesus in the cultivation of our lives and those of the people around us. That's where, you know, small groups come in. You, you're participating in the cultivation of Christ's life in us together. Being patient is cultivating the type of life that glorifies God in the midst of a broken and fallen world. Again, is the world around us patient? I don't, 
no, it isn't. Let me just say it's it's not it's not. And part part of uh, the implication for the message today is this: um, if we're not actively countering the ways that the world is forming us to be impatient, why why would we expect to be able to be patient? Why would we even expect to have the type of patience that Christ expects of us if we're not countering the way that the world is? always already forming us in its own in its own image right and I'm thankful I got to bring my phone up here and put a timer on you know that's handy but the fact of the matter is you know these devices are designed and the apps that they contain are designed very successfully to keep our eyes glued to them uh, to, to you know swipe and press and get new content over and over again all throughout the day that that does rewire our brain. And it's designed to. Just look at the progression of social media, you know, from Facebook and what even preceded Facebook, things like MySpace and, um, you know, all the way through to TikTok. TikTok is the newest and most pristine expression of what social media can be. And it's the fastest one. It's just seconds of a video and then swiping to another video. And I'm not saying TikTok is necessarily evil. I'm not saying get off TikTok. But, you know, consider is TikTok forming people in such a way as to be able to be patient for anything? It's not just TikTok. It's the news cycle. It's just looking at the phone. It's just something new. It's the dopamine hit that we get when something new catches our attention, especially if it's attached to the affirmation that we seek through, you know, likes and comments, you know, to affirmation from other people. None of that forms us in a way in which I think Christ enjoins, as we see in the passage today. So I'm not saying... Eliminate that all, you know, eliminate these influences from our lives, although some of us, frankly, need to take that step. I'm saying, look at the way the world is forming us all, all the time. If we don't see that and take steps to counter it, we can't be patient. You know, we can't live faithfully in the way that Christ wants us. We can't be different than the world around us. We're just part of the broken system of the world instead of a healing element within that world. That's the point. The world, is a bro- the world is a broken system. Christ calls us to a different system, to a family, to a different kingdom, I would say. And it's, uh, his coming is you know, what will inaugurate that in fullness. But I want us to walk away with this. It's, we're not called to just wait for that. Part of the privilege in Christ is that we begin to experience and then live out that even now. Because remember, he's present by his Holy Spirit. Remember, he's the master gardener. He's cultivating something in us even now. He wants to produce that kingdom even now in us through CF, through the community groups of CF. God is the master gardener. God wants to produce that beautiful garden. Remember, our our first parents were given a garden to live in, and they lost that privilege. God is creating a new and more beautiful garden that will exceed the first one in every conceivable way, but he's starting now through us through our patience, through our active patience, our faithful waiting, our being in the world in a way that's different than the world is, uh, that doesn't seek revenge, that's not grumbling, you know, that doesn't respond in kind to evil, that responds to evil with good. How do you think good spreads in the world? It can't if we're only responding to evil with evil. You know, God is calling us to respond to evil with, with good. God is the master gardener. And he is cultivating 
something beautiful in us if waiting is hard if patience is hard james says well consider the prophets consider the prophets because as i don't have to you know convince anyone we will suffer we we will suffer and to to live as that different witness to live in the world in a way that's different than the world lives that's going to bring the the negative attention of the world to us that's going to cause um persecution right it, it, in general even more than just you know people not liking the christian message we're going to suffer in this life in any case consider the prophets consider the prophets if you if you need convincing that uh suffering and patient endurance is one way that god produces good things in the world consider the outcome of the way of life of the prophets of ancient israel and let me just say you don't you don't want that job i don't want the job of being a prophet in ancient israel frankly you know I, look at Jeremiah, look at Ezekiel, look at Daniel, look at Hosea. I don't I don't want the hardship that they had. Um, but uh, you know, without their ministry leading ultimately to the fulfillment uh, of that ministry in Christ, we're not we're not standing here. We're not we would not be here together. The outcome of their way of life uh, is part of the foundation uh, that contributes to the church today. You know, there was <laughs> An un- incalculably um, glorious uh, fruit produced through the ministry of these these prophets who suffered in the way that they did. Hold on a second. If you still need convincing, forget the prophets. Look at Job. You think it was hard to be a prophet? Look at Job. You don't want to be Job. You know the story of Job? Please read Job if, if that's something you've not done in your life. <laughs> Job suffered more than anybody. Um, I'm not going to rehash all the ways that that took place, but I will say through unimaginable suffering, unimaginable loss, pain, misery, you know, Job had only his life in the end, and that wasn't even necessarily, you know, you know a gift. His life was a living death is what it was. You know, to stay alive wasn't God's kindness. It, it was a living death. Um, even then, Job emerged even more glorious than before. God doubled the blessing of Job at the end from the beginning. The message there is, I just have to be careful, it's, it's not that there's you know, double the wealth on the other side of your trials and tribulations. You know, it's, it's not about the earthly, the earthly benefit on the other side of suffering. It's really about um, seeing the example that points us to the one who secured our heavenly wealth ahead of us, Christ. It's seeing that on the other side of, you know, this um, difficult life is eternal blessedness in Christ. Look at Job to, to get that message. Consider Job, that God produces glory out of suffering. Just to, just to say, we've, I've been hitting these, these agricultural things uh, quite a bit today. I think that's important uh, I, I think it's even a little bit countercultural. It should be a little bit countercultural for us, you know. Even though we, uh, 21st century Chicagoans, aren't an agrarian people, we have some novice gardeners, myself included. But um, the metaphors here aren't just from the deep past. They're made to be alive in the present today. It's simply uh, to orient ourselves to the fact that God works with the medium of time. Okay, the natural world 
is a teacher, is a teacher of, of the way God uses time to make things. Our, our lives are built with seasonality. The natural world around us is full of seasonality. To really be patient through it, through it all, uh, in a way that brings glory to God and brings growth and health to us is to eat the, the sweetness of life. Okay, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be bitterness. <laughs> there's going to be squirrels that get into the good. You're going to do everything right and still have a squirrel taking a bite out of that tomato. I've had it multiple times. Patience isn't a, a, a panacea. Pa- patience, isn't a, patience isn't meant to be a cure-all. You know, patience isn't a, a, a guaranteed way to get the guaranteed results of, of God's benefit. No, patience, patience is just a, a necessary fact of life. To truly live with the grain of our existence takes the patience of waiting, waiting for the coming of the Lord in a way that brings glory to God and health to the world around us, even in the midst of which we will suffer, squirrels will get in, we won't, you know, we might not have the exact crop that we were hoping for, I think is often going to be the case. Uh, I should have had a better, I, I should have had a better yield. I should have had a way better yield this year than I had. And I don't know why exactly. I'll try to figure it out. But, you know, I didn't get the exact yield of tomatoes that I wanted this year. There, there are contingencies of a fallen world that we cannot account for. But even in these God will produce something beautiful. See, that's the privilege we have in Christ as brothers and sisters. God is the master gardener, and he's creating beautiful things all the time, even out of our mistakes and even out of the things that we suffer that are out of our control. God enjoins us to only be patient. Be patient, therefore, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The last element in in the passage is this this curious stuff about... (laughs) You know, don't take an oath by heaven or by earth or by anything else, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's really just an extension of what I've been talking about, a way of being in the world that that looks different um, than the way that the world normally works. So uh, if we were to simply read this without any context, you know, I think we could take it in a certain direction. Well, hey, you know, we're not supposed to, to swear an oath. And, you know, I don't swear oaths. So what, what's the what's the point? You just don't swear oaths. <clears throat> digging into this context a bit, you know, there, there's more of an implication for us than just that. Digging into this, um, I've learned that when James is saying don't swear an oath by heaven or by earth or by anything under the earth, there, there's a bit of a cultural thread that runs through this. Pious Jews of ancient Israel would have never taken the Lord's name in vain, right? You know the Ten Commandments. That, that's the third commandment by many list, you know, don't take the name of the Lord's name in vain. Okay, a pious Jew would have never done that. But people being, you know, the fallen sinners that they are, there's ways around that. There's always an exception. You know, not taking the Lord's name in vain means, you know, I simply don't have to say the Lord's name, but I can take it. I can carelessly uh, try to make myself appear to be, you know, more reliable than I am by swearing by you know, something in the heavens or the earth. or It's about just evading. It's about finding a loophole. It's about finding a loophole to not have to be as truthful as the text really calls us to be. It's finding that loophole. James is saying, what are you looking for loopholes for? Just be trustworthy. 
Just live a trustworthy life. Let, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Be a person of your word. Christ is truth itself. Okay, finally, it's not about you being truthful, being, being able to be trustworthy. Letting your yes be yes is not finally about you. It's about being the type of person who is truth himself. Being dependable as Christ is a rock of dependability. Being like Christ and not like the world, not participating in the broken system in the way that that system perpetuates itself, being part of a different system, one that is coming but that's already here. Just practically, it works. <laughs> it works. The, is, a, is the title of our series called Faith That Works, James Faith That Works? Being truthful and trustworthy works. It tends to produce good things in the world. It tends to make the world and our lives go in an acceptable there, you know, the fallen world brings contingencies to everything, but being able to be a person of truth simply pays off. One personal example before I close. Um, I learned this at a young age uh, when my grandpa used to pick me up to go on his routine, as he called it. This was my favorite thing to do in life as a child in elementary school. Uh, my grandpa um, had a routine. He had a morning routine. He would go to Mass at St. Vitus Church. He, there was whew, better word than that. 6.30 or earlier, <laughs> this Mass. It was just a very early Mass that he went to every day. He would go to Mass. He would go from Mass to get breakfast at a place called Hudson Lunch. He got breakfast at Hudson Lunch. He, would go to, he had <laughs> a normal order. He didn't have to say what he wanted. The, the hostess knew what he wanted. He had to sit down and say, hi, hi, John. Same, yep, there, there it was. He would go from Hudson Lunch to my uncle's uh, pizza shop, uh, which was a few doors down in the, my hometown in Pennsylvania. My uncle has a pizza shop. We'd go sit in the back of that pizza shop, fold boxes for the day to be delivered. We'd go from there to this little nature area called McConnell's Mill where we'd, we'd have a little brisk walk in nature. And uh, often my grandpa would be hiding behind trees to come out and scare me, you know, as a five-year-old. That was my favorite thing in life. That routine was my favorite thing to do in life. It was on me to be up on time for that 6.30 mass. <laughs> it was on, on me as an elementary school kid. You know, a lot was riding on <laughs> me being able to be responsible. Because my grandpa didn't live with us, he would pick me up. So, uh, you know, telling my grandpa, yeah, I'll go with you Thursday. Everything was riding on me making good on my word to be up by the time that he was there. He wasn't ringing the doorbell, knocking on the door. People were asleep. He was just expecting me to be there. And I often was, except for the one day that I wasn't, when I was just too tired to get up. And I told Grandpa that I would uh, be there that day, but I wasn't there. And uh, I got out maybe a half hour or so late, and the car just wasn't there. And that was the most disappointing experience of my young life. I miss that routine. I miss that bonding time with, with Grandpa. In, in my young life, that, that was everything to me. And uh, that one time, you know, my yes wasn't yes. That was a sad day. You know, that's a very sort of benign example. That's not an earth-shattering example with a lot of moral import. But it's a young kid who learned from a young age the value of your yes being yes. 
just, just just be trustworthy. Just just be trustworthy as Christ is trustworthy. Things tend to work out. The, the world tends to function. You know, we, we tend to see results in the way we want to a lot of the time when we're just trustworthy people. Of course, it's a fallen world. It's not always going to be that way. But remember, God is the master gardener. God is the master gardener. He's still gardening. Even when we're faithless, God is faithful. Even when we fail to make good on our word, God doesn't fail. God is the master gardener. He's still cultivating us. There will come a time, there will come a time when time, time itself will ripen into eternity. Time will ripen into eternity. Humanity at that time will ripen into the glorified sons and daughters of God that we were created to be. You see, we're in a process right now, you and I sitting here together of ripening. In fact, the whole creation is in, in that process. God will bring it to its, to its end. He, he, he will make that first garden uh, a distant shadow of the new garden city that he is cultivating even now. Uh, we're all in a process of ripening toward that end. God is the master gardener. Will you let him cultivate you? Will you let him cultivate you? Will you let him water you? Will you let him prune you? Will you let God do the work to make something beautiful out of your broken, our broken lives uh, in its time. Christ is the proof that God will, finally. Christ is the proof. Christ went into the world, went into the darkness of the world, even the darkness of the earth in his death, only to rise in glory, uh, only to be seated now at the right hand of the Father, only to come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, to inaugurate a kingdom that will have no end. Be patient. Be patient, therefore. The Lord is near. Father, we thank you that you are near. We thank you that you are the master gardener. We thank you that you are cultivating us even now. God, I just pray for fertile soil, fertile soil in the hearts of this uh, wonderful congregation today. I pray that uh, you will satisfy us, God, satisfy CF uh, in the fruits of your labors on their behalf and then their participation in your labors in the world today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.